0: Hello everyone, People
1: are filing <laughs> and
0: in. welcome to Light Shed Live.
1: Walt, you've been watching a lot of hockey.
0: Um, yeah, I'm hopping on the bandwagon. That's I fine. think the Islanders are going to win the cup.
2: From your mouth to God's ears. I mean, are you an Islander like, fan? I, I, I grew up an Islander fan, and I'm the only Islander fan in this house. Everybody else um, roots <laughs> for the Rangers, but yeah, I'm an Islander fan.
1: Well, uh, I grew trots. up on Long Island, so I'm an Islander fan. Pat Lafontaine and Nassau College with my dad. So, Dennis, yeah,
2: same thing. Dennis Potvin, exactly.
1: Oh thing. yeah, for sure, for sure. I mean, do your
2: kids know Potvin sucks?
1: Uh, <laughs> yeah, my same. kids don't even. Yeah. My, my kids don't even understand hockey. So, what's
0: you know, I understand? Uh, you skate around and you fucking yeah. <laughs> put a puck in the in the net.
1: Uh, they've just never gotten into it for whatever reason. <laughs> Okay. Um, But they conceptually understand. Well, I I just want to welcome everyone. (laughs) You're killing me, Brandon. Uh, Welcome everyone to Light Shed Live. Um, We're really excited to have DraftKings. The the topic of sports betting has, um, I really think has been like one of the topics of 2020. A tremendous amount of startups in the ecosystem, lots of investor interest. I think a lot of people thinking about what it means to engagement with sports, new revenue streams in the face of sort of challenging um, you know, TV environment. So everyone's sort of looking at this category. DraftKings is the, you know, one of the first companies to be public in this space. We're really excited that Ezra is taking time out to, to spend a little time and educate us on sort of where we are, not just for DraftKings itself, but also the industry at large. And maybe Ezra as a way to kind of open this up and start the conversation. And I should mention to everyone who's watching, if you have questions, there is a Q and A, just, you know, enter your question there. And we'll try to, you know, basically ask as many of those questions as we can throughout the hour we're with Ezra, but maybe just kind of to frame it for us. When you think about sort of the, I don't want to say the end state, but look out five plus years, maybe even seven or eight years for, for DraftKings. If you think about your business, Daily Fantasy, where you came from, um, legalized sports betting, where you're now at, and, and, and iGaming, uh, which is sort of at the beginning as well. How do you think, what do you look like in terms of the mix of those businesses? Do you want to be successful in all three? Like, just frame for us what this looks like in five to seven years.
3: I hope you want to be successful.
2: Yeah, I know. My mom mom certainly reminds me of that every day um, uh, since I dropped out of my PhD program. But uh, all joking joking aside, um, you know, this is a really exciting time to be in the sports business, right? And, you know, I've talked about this, uh, you know, other places like this is kind of the fourth seismic shift in the industry, right? You've got ESPN happening with broadcast, you know, late 70s, early 80s, and you have WFAN you Know, uh, all talk uh, radio for sports, then you have espn.com happening, and 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 then now, uh, over the last two years, you have uh, sports betting has really been a seismic shift. And so, when you, when you look at the industry, the industry is going through a change, right? It is, you know, DFS uh, isn't going anywhere, DFS is still very popular, very exciting, um, tons of people still enjoy. Uh, you know playing uh, dfs with their friends or against others and um, it, it's a really great product and improves you know all, all the time sports betting is obviously newer and uh, you know it's limited from uh, you know you have about eight or nine states where you can uh, have online sports betting and uh, what's, what's been great there is uh, it's being embraced by the sports fan right it is uh, one of these things where you see really innovative products and, and integrations in the broadcast. So like the things we did with the match two, where we had odds, you know, integrated into about 15 holes in the broadcast, you know, we can see direct ties to traffic in our apps to when those graphics on screen happen in the broadcast. And so you're going to have this um, environment where broadcast is drawn closer to gaming. And then for iGaming, eye gaming is really exciting. You know what? There are a lot of people that are looking to, you know, on a on a Friday night or Thursday night, whenever you want, actually, you know, they want to play a couple of hands of blackjack or you know, want to play some roulette, they can, and and it's really exciting. And what's been clear is the companies that innovate on product and focus on the fan are winning. Right? If if you just take some sort of product that's off the shelf from, you know, from somewhere and you put it out uh, in front of the consumer, don't innovate on it. Don't, don't spend money on marketing. Don't spend money on the user base. um, You know, you don't get, uh, you don't get a great result. And that's why when you look at the industry, there's, you know, a couple of us that, you know, probably have on a combined basis, 80, you know, 85% market share.
3: When you, just following up on Rich's question, when you look at the business and take a step back, um, is, is there enough TAM in sports betting in the U.S., or is, is sports betting kind of, in, in a way, I think of D- DFS being a mousetrap for sports betting. Is sports betting ultimately a mousetrap for, for iGaming for you?
2: So I think the way we look at it is there's something for everybody here, right? It's not looked at as, you know, if you do X, then you'll do Y then you'll do Z. I think it's really set up in a way that if you're a consumer or a fan, you want to play DFS, you have a great set of products there. If you want to, you know, bet on uh, on, on a you know Lakers game tonight, you can and you go in and do that as well. And by the way, I think one of the hottest things is in-game live betting, right? If you want to be watching the Lakers game tonight and be betting, you know, on specific kind of in-game markets and, sort of like, how many points somebody's going to get in a quarter, or, you know, over-unders for the game um, or for the quarter, I think there's really a lot of uh, exciting things. It's kind things. of a hybrid. Yeah, and then for you know, iGaming, you know, I, if you are somebody who wants to play a couple hands of blackjack, it's there for you as well. So do you think, I, I don't look at it as, or we don't look at it as, you know, do X to get Y to get Z. It's, there's something for everybody here.
3: Right. When, when you look out however many years and the, the winners are kind of established online in sports betting and in iGaming, do you think they'll be the same winners or do you think they serve very different markets?
2: I think that you know we have uh, there's a there's a group of us that are probably you know at the the top of the industry right now and and I would anticipate as long as people put the fan first and innovate on product and opportunities for consumers you know I think things will uh, things will go well for them right I, it is one of these things where we, we as a company um, are constantly innovating the product, adding new markets, adding new game mechanics, doing everything we can to keep the consumer engaged. Think about everything that happened with, with COVID. We went out and we innovated the hell out of the product. We spent a ton of time thinking about things people could do while there were no sports um and you know things like what whether are the it best was,
1: examples
3: Esports or
2: esports e- and you know, dfs around esports. um the nathan's hot dog eating contest right was a, was a tremendous opportunity right um and you know there were, there were a bunch of other things like ping pong and things that people in the u.s typically didn't bet on or didn't chase <laughs> yeah. and, 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 and believe it or not Um, we were able to create a compelling opportunity. If you were a sports fan, we found things for you to do.
3: Do you think that some of those newer um, forms of sports betting, hot dog eating contests will be things people continue to bet on when sports is fully up and running? I guess we already have NBA and MLB. Have you seen a continuation in some of these ancillary items? And then maybe on the esports, you said you thought it was going to be—I think it be on your call—the biggest sport, um, eventually. Could, could just no, no,
2: I, I don't know that it's going to be the biggest sport eventually. It's going to be meaningful though, right? Uh, you know, esports. You know, whether it's uh, you know League of Legends, Call of Duty, some of the other other things we're working on from a DFS standpoint. Um, there's real interest there, right? And. You know, sports betting right now on esports is restricted to like uh, I believe one or two states, Nevada being one of them. Uh, everywhere else, I think is going to take a little bit of time, right? And um, you know, I think that as long as you have the right opportunities in front of people, it's you know they're going to have a way to make, have a little fun on a, you know on a Saturday afternoon or even a, on a Tuesday night.
0: So shifting over to our Q&A uh, box, and thanks for putting that in there, Evan. Um, Evan wants to know how big of an advantage it was for you guys, and I guess also FanDuel, um, to have this existing DFS user base when sports betting launched. I mean, was there a big crossover? Did it really not matter because it brought in a different
2: um, group? So so, so um, it's a little both, right? We did cross over a number of people from uh, DFS into sports uh, sports wagering. But what was interesting is there's a significant percentage of people that are, were new to us, right? They just, they just wanted to bet. They weren't DFS players. And it goes back to what I said earlier when we, now that we've added these new products um, there's something for everybody. It is infinitely easier to bet than it is to play DFS, right? DFS is a game of skill, right? Uh, betting I'm a, uh, you know, you heard uh, Rich and I earlier uh, commiserating on the New York Islanders, right? I'm a New York Islander fan.
1: They played okay in the playoffs. I mean, they did okay. Okay. See,
2: see what color? See what color this is, right? Um, no, no, no. So but, I'm just saying, like hey,
1: you're, you're you're saying commiserate. I'm saying it's not so bad. Like, uh, well, so, it's but, been
3: it's been bad for a very, very, very long
2: time. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, it has been. It has been. But but all all joking aside, right? It's real easy for me to go in and bet on the Islanders, and. You know, take a spread and understand, you know, that if it's and I don't have my, the odds up in front of me. I probably should. Uh, you know, the you know, if the Islanders are plus 120 in their next se- uh, series or plus 300 in the next series, it's real easy for me to say, I think they're going to win their next series. I would not 50- that
0: argue that that isn't an advantage, is not an advantage for you because like, OK, if it's easy, then theoretically someone could be attracted to go anywhere
2: no it, by easy i mean it's easy to understand it's easy to gotcha. bet right not yep. not not easy to go other places right we 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 do make it seamless and easy for fans and consumers to to bet or play fantasy sports or i or play iGaming. gaming by easy i i meant um, it's just easier to bet right sure. it, it's like you're picking one side of a line or not or if you're picking the money line you're just picking who's going to win and and um it is, Whereas
1: like daily fantasy is more complicated, is what you're getting. Look, at. I I
2: I love baseball, right? I'm a new, a diehard. You and Brandon suffer-
1: should be best friends then. No, uh, di- um, a, um, Are you a Mets uh, fan?
2: I am. I'm a long yeah. Me too. Fan, okay. Right? And, and so, but but if you ask me to play DFS baseball, I struggle to figure out players outside a couple teams, right? But that doesn't mean I don't love baseball any less. So we try to create something. There's something for everyone. And then, um, you know, it's easier for me to go in and unfortunately say, uh, you know, I'd like to put a small wager on the Mets losing tonight, which is almost a sure thing these days.
1: (laughs) So when you think about um, the the player bases, just for a second, because obviously, you know, we've had for many, many years – there, even today, there's right there's a huge illegal base of players who are spending money every single day, regardless of whether states have legalized. And so, sort of circling back to the earlier question, like, is it that base that basically filters into legal sports betting and daily fantasy is pretty distinct? Um, and and the same question for iGaming, meaning like how much overlap is there among the three player bases or just given what you just said about skill and I think about gambling or, you know, iGaming, are they so different that you end up with basically three different sets of consumers? And I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but is that ultimately what you see or is there a high percentage of players that actually over the course of a month play in all three categories where all three exist?
2: So what I would say is there's a high percentage of that, but not not too high. We don't disclose the number, but... It, that'll play probably two of the three right there are there is a good base to play all three but it is like you are know, two
1: more connected than the other like is is i gaming a whole separate type of user in general no
2: it's not a whole separate type of user you got to remember we skew heavily mail uh on everything right so our table games do much better than our slots like is a great example so uh, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't say that they're skewing, you know, one way or another. Like if you play fantasy, you're not going to play uh casino. It's, you know, if you play DFS, fan- you're likely to be a sports better at a higher propensity than playing iGaming, but takes all types. Everybody likes, uh, everybody likes to have a little action.
3: We have another audience question that came in from Jay and he had a question on the New Jersey numbers uh, or the most recent ones in the mix. And he says, everyone said that New Jersey sports betting numbers were puffed up by New Yorkers going to New Jersey to bet. However, iGaming in New Jersey is running 80 bucks uh, or sorry, 80 million dollars a month. Um, is that number also f- um, flattered by New Yorkers? And then he editorializes, seems unlikely that someone would drive to New Jersey just to play a few games of blackjack, so on and so forth. What do you think about the mix in New Jersey? Um, and, and do you think that iGaming in New Jersey is being fattened out by, uh, by New Yorkers going over?
2: So I, I, um, I don't have any numbers in front of me. And, and so I, I'm going to just say that there is a, when it comes to sports betting, There is, um, you know, there's a good chunk of the folks that are in state New Jersey, right? Um, You know, I think um, what you end up seeing is um, some people come over the border to Tibet, right? And I think things are probably, you know, and I haven't looked at the data in context of COVID. There's probably fewer people coming across like to Hoboken, where we would see some patterns, where people would drive across the Hoboken, maybe have a, a couple of beers, play some bets, and then go home. Uh, when it comes to iGaming, uh, I don't know. I would have to take a look. I I, I don't want to say anything uh, that that's incorrect, but I would I would bet, no pun intended, that uh, that there aren't a a boatload of people uh, coming across the border to to play a couple of hands with blackjack.
3: Kind of speaking about the borders um, and New Jersey being legal and and New York not. It, when when New York is legalized or other states are, does your market share in one state like New Jersey influence or can you leverage it in other states? How does that How does that work for you? And what's your outlook?
2: So, so w- the way the, the regulations work is, uh, it is not where you reside, it is where your feet are when you are betting or playing uh, gaming. And so um, if, you're, if you live in, I'm making this up, in Pennsylvania or, uh, I don't know, Virginia, and you drive up to New Jersey, and you open the app and you create an account, you do all the things you have to from a KYC standpoint, you can start betting. You can, you know, uh, you can bet on your you You can't trick the system
0: to make it seem like you're in that state?
2: I mean. No, no, we have, uh, we and some others have some pretty good technology that um, you you can't trick the system. The system works uh, the way it's supposed to according to regulation. So there's no, uh, there's no faking uh, routers or anything like that it's, it's multiple uh, it's like a multi-factor authentication of kind of where you are. So when it, when it comes to, you know, uh, being somewhere um, it's literally where your feet are. Right. As far as New York's concerned, like New York, there is sports betting in New York, right? It's only retail, right? We're, we're, when, when we're not in COVID um, you know, we have a a partnership up in uh, Waterloo, New York, which is about halfway between Syracuse and Rochester we have one of the nicest sports books um, uh, at the Del Lago Casino you'll ever see, um, but it's retail only, right? You you can't use an Isn't app. Is that a
1: storyline in billions? Yeah, uh, I, I, perhaps. <laughs> yes. uh, but but there is
2: there is no there is no online gaming right now in New York, right? And and that is just one of those things where I think when the state house and the governor are ready, there'll be online gaming in New York.
3: What when do you think that is? like sort of if, if someone said you have to tell me right now actually New York and California while we're on it not to put you on the spot but best guess
1: what year but New you York are putting them on the spot just to be yeah, clear yeah Rich okay. thank you for just that. to be clear don't
3: give uh, them time to think about how to no 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 I'm just fantasy. saying like you're
1: framing no, it as you're not but you totally fire
2: are. <laughs> yeah it's typically when people say I don't want to put you on the spot it's typically means yeah. they um, are <laughs> <laughs> but in all seriousness um, we don't try to predict what the government does, right? And, uh, you know, we are constantly collaborating with state government and regulators uh, to try to make sure that a, um, a clear set of laws and regulations occur in those states. So, I, I can't sit here today and, and give you any timeline for either state.
0: Yeah. COVID's got to put some pressure on it. I mean, states got to be getting crushed right now on the taxes. So, like, wouldn't that give you a little greater optimism. So while you, if you're not going to give us a percentage oh, I, or a time, Walt, are you, where, take are you,
2: where are you now versus where you were before based uh, on COVID? Well don't don't take anything I said as not being optimistic. I'm very optimistic okay. and I'm probably more optimistic than I was, you know, pre-COVID. But do but, you think that but, do
0: you think COVID actually impacts the timeline though? So if you had optimism, I, I, now they're like, oh shit, we need to get some revenue in quick. Let's get this thing done.
2: Yeah. The the, the challenge is it's not a quick answer, right? So you have states that even once they pass the law, then they have to pass regulations. Once they pass regulations, if it's a state that doesn't have casinos in it, they typically have to actually hire a whole government organization to actually oversee uh, the industry. So it's not something that, you know, a state can wake up tomorrow and poof, gaming happens. A great example, and, and I might get this a little wrong, but it's, it's close. Pennsylvania, from the time they passed the law to launching, I want to say it was like a almost a year, year and a half, right? And it's just one of these things where it takes time. So I, I think we're optimistic. Uh, I think we don't try to predict what the, uh, the government in any place is going to do. Uh, we're there as a partner to the state and regulators, and we try to assist in every way we can.
1: So, uh, you know, when you think about um, legalization and sort of filling this, you know, quote unquote uh, revenue hole that every single state is going to have, you know, mobile sports betting, I guess sort of where Brandon sort of started out, like it, it, it fills revenue, but, you know, iGaming seems like it could be much larger. Do you think like, are they hand in glove in terms of legalization? Or, you know, when you think about the two, totally separate processes and like, does COVID help, help both equally, or is one just fundamentally more difficult to get done looking at where we are today in the country, we're even well, by look, state?
2: Well, look, I think you have to think about it uh, or just look and see what's available right now, right? You, you have a handful of States that have sports betting and much fewer that actually have eye uh, gaming. Right. And it's just, I think you'll see a lot of States probably embrace sports betting first, which has been the pattern. And then secondarily, they bring on iGaming once sports betting's launched and everything's kind of going well. So uh, there are plenty of places that it's, they they go hand in hand, but even so, uh, you know, sports betting typically launches first and then iGaming.
3: We have another one from Q and A from Jordan. And he's talking about what the curve or asking about what the curve looks like in a given state. And it, from legalization onto maturity, and he says. He asked, "Given tent up demand from the illegal sports betting market, will most states see peak user growth rates very early on, following their respective legalizations, or are there other factors that can drive reaccelerating growth in the months, years thereafter? And if so, what are they?"
2: So I, I think the, the way to answer that is like it takes time, right? Um, you got to remember the the community that illegally bets in most places is really, really small, right? Like super small. And so when you legalize in a state, certainly those folks, you know, or have the opportunity to move over to a legal platform and, and there's a lot of reasons why they should, but I'll, I'll spare you the uh, kind of the the background on that today. Uh, But where it gets, interesting is when the larger um larger community who are sports fans embraces this, right? Where you get people that will, you know, watch a game, you know, I think tonight you got Portland versus the Lakers. Uh, you know, watch a game tonight and decide that, you know what, I want to put five dollars or ten dollars in on this game or you know, I want, uh, you know, I want to put $10 down on LeBron scoring, you know, over whatever, whatever the line, you know, the line is tonight. And so I think the growth curves um, are, they occur related to a couple things, right? First off is education of the market, market right? It's like teaching people what sports betting is and how it works and, and the different ways that, um, that you can do it. And then there's, even before that, there's an awareness, right? Um, you have to make sure that people understand, like, I can go in legally and open up my phone, download an app, put some money into account and legally bet. And and by the way, the great thing about this, as compared to um, offshore books, is you're actually going to be able to take your money out and take your winning winnings when you win. Or as, a, as opposed to a lot of what people report about putting money in offshore books is, all right, you've just won a bunch of money. Good luck getting your money, right? Right. So hopefully, hopefully that answers your question. I, there's no specific magic formula that says this is how you accelerate um, the well, growth curve. Yeah.
3: When For- you think when you think about the TAM though, do you, do you think about the TAM as being a lot of people? Compared to competitive lottery, right? Is is that how you think about your ultimate TAM? Lotto, lotto players, or is it sports fans? How do you, how do you frame your own TAM?
2: It's sports fans, right? It's uh, it's sports. Fans. Well, that's a it's, bigger
3: one. So that, <laughs> that
2: would... no, it's a pretty good one, right? It's sports fans, and I could even probably um, I could even probably take a step further and say it's all adults in the state. Right, Because remember, once again, we're trying to put something out there for everyone. You can come play fantasy sports with us, you can, you can sports bet with us, or you can play iGaming as well.
1: So w- w- when you're thinking about um, different kind of legalization frameworks, we've seen places where there are lots of competitors that are sanctioned and lots of skins and a relatively low tax regime. Uh, I think of something like New Jersey, and then there's obviously other places where there's one or two competitors, um, maybe even exclusive, and there's a very high tax regime. It, you know, if you had to choose, and, and I get this is sort of like Brandon putting gun to your head and t- making oh, you no choose. Oh, no guns,
3: water pistols. Sorry, pistol no gun. Water,
1: water pistols. Sorry, water it's pistols. pistols. <laughs> um, water guns, you know, in the pool, in the backyard. Um, <laughs> which would you prefer if you had to choose, and does it matter?
2: So... Um... So let me start off by saying we love competition, right? We we don't uh, we're not afraid of it. We don't try to prevent it. We are all for competition in every state we're in. And so, you know, what makes the most sense is a lower tax rate, so that you can get a bunch of people in the state. It also keeps us all um, keeps us all honest, right? And what I mean by that is it forces everybody to innovate the product and innovate the business, right? Otherwise, you don't necessarily have to. And so, you know, having um, multiple, uh, multiple parties in the state with a lower tax rate where we're all competing, it's great for the industry and it's great for the consumer.
0: So what's one, what makes one platform better than another? Like what's the differentiating factor?
2: we, we like to think it's our, it's our product, right. And the way you, the interface, the way you can bet the different types of markets, uh, whether it's adding things like pool betting or, you know, having the ability to, you know, do uh, very specific in game markets. I think that um, it is uh, you know, it's just the consumer experience, right? There are a number of folks out there that, they, they don't spend a lot of time on the product. They're just putting, pushing it out there and, and having people kind of, um, you know, uh, just place kind of your plain vanilla bets. Do you
0: need a big social media personality like – like Portnoy to hop in there and get some <laughs> activity. It there seems could be like a he...
2: whole line of
3: questions on Penn, right?
0: <laughs> and he, he, he seems to move share pretty
2: quickly. Um, so so we, we love Dave. We think Dave's a great guy and we move the and, markets. And, <laughs> and 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 we you know it's we like thing, the we, we like the folks at, uh, at, at at Barstool and Penn as well. We are we are one of Penn's skin partners. And so uh, you know we uh, we're excited to see what they can do uh, in combination with Barstool and we think they're going to take probably some sort of interesting approach. But, you know, um, it's really hard to run a sports book. And it's really, you know, interesting when you have to innovate the product constantly.
1: Uh, Does I think, it make you want to have content, though? Like, I mean, could you imagine having a more robust content aspect to, to DraftKings? I'm not saying in response, but just if it logically makes sense, you know, should there be content connected to sports betting or iGaming or DFS, etc.
2: Sure. Um, We already do it. Um, We do it and we kind of have a different voice than than they've taken. And and this isn't, you know, this isn't a comparison. Like like I said, we really respect and like Dave and Erica and the team there. Uh, I think that, um, you know, our approach has been different. We are much more the kind of the data and almost science approach to content and our voice. You know, we try to bring information and data to people so that they're able to make more informed decisions and choices. And it's just a different voice, right? Like uh, the the voice that some others have or work for them. And that's great.
3: Have you used the Barstool Bets app or seen the beta?
2: Uh, I have not used it. And, uh, you know, I think that, um, you know, it's still early in the process for them.
0: I and mean, what about, what about price? sorry to interrupt Rich, but this is a good question from Josh. Um, I mean, why wouldn't price ultimately just kind of dictate it all? I mean, you know, I think at some point Uber would claim like Uber Eats is part of our integration. And at the end of the day, people are gonna go where the cheapest ride is. And in this case, why aren't they gonna go where the cheapest or the best odds are at any given time?
2: Because it's not just about that. It's about the entertainment value, right? It's, you're, you are going to likely set up uh, an app You know that you prefer and the entertainment value based on that app whether it's easier to use more more markets content integrated whatever it is that's where you're going to you're going to probably spend your dollars and your time so that's why it's you know we look at it as it's super um it's super uh you know valuable and super smart for organizations to focus in on the product um you know what there's going to be uh lots of places and ways to bet on the lakers tonight but there's still going to be call it two or three places that people are going to go to so it won't
0: be Portnoy getting online saying like everyone bet here let's go lakers and pick this guy and it won't be this guy saying it's the cheapest it's going to be because they like the experience and
2: well but but, but, wait, but what you just described is the experience right if if like I, I don't, I don't like. If I, I think well, I, with, I, I would recommend Dave's. like talking to Dave and Erica if you want to talk about Barstool. But uh, you know what? What I would say is, you know, Dave is part of the entertainment value, right? And so yep. if Dave says, go do this, and you are a loyal Barstool follower. Well, you, can, well, you can go do that.
1: Well, no, no, no. Let Let me change the conversation then, because I think this is an important point. You talked a lot on the last conference call about the experience and rebuilding the tech stack. I, I think what everyone is trying to understand, and this is not a FanDuel versus DraftKings yeah. versus FoxBet versus whatever Barstool is gonna be. The question is-
3: Well, oh, ultimately it kind of is, right?
1: <laughs> no, 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 but my point is within all of them, within all of you, when you say that, you know, cause I think there's a lot of investors who think this is an absolute race to the bottom, that competition is gonna drive in promos, that people are gonna just switch platforms to whatever's the cheapest and it's a race to the bottom and that's what's gonna happen. But you honestly believe that there is something in your experience. And I guess I'd love to dig into what is it about the experience of DraftKings that makes someone a diehard committed DraftKings user where they don't switch because there's an offer from, you know, bet 360 or, you know, from FanDuel. Like, why do they stay even with offers to go elsewhere? That's what I think we're trying to get out of you is like, what's the stickiness that they won't go to Barstool? They won't. They haven't gone to FanDuel. Does that make sense?
2: Does it does so? Let me let me ask you a question. What kind of phone do you have?
1: I have an iPhone, and I've had one for years. Rich, you also have an Android though. Let's hey, be, I, I, come I,
2: on, that's not fair. I don't use it. Thanks, Walt. I,
0: Walt.
3: Yeah.
2: <laughs> Brandon, what kind of phone do you have?
3: <laughs> I I know where you're going with this. Answer the question. Just answer the question.
2: I have an iPhone. What kind of phone you have? He has <laughs> like
3: nine phones. <laughs> He's a wireless. But iPhone.
2: My my primary phone is iPhone. So my point is. If an Android phone is cheaper, um, has similar features and functions, similar, uh, some of the same apps, but yet all three of you have iPhones, right? Probably because it's a little bit better. It's got better product. It's a trusted brand that consumers know and you all like it, right? You can, I, I guarantee you, each of you in a given month get two or three offers to switch over to an Android phone, but you don't you stick with an iPhone and you're loyal to it. And I think, Rich, I think you were the one that said you've been with it for years, right? Yep. Uh, the, the, the bottom line is, there are differences in product, right? I, I, I'm not gonna sit here and go like product feature by product feature, but the products are, are different, right?
1: And I, and
3: oh, I think this it, is it, the oh, single it, biggest that's issue. Total, that's totally clear. And it, also not to bring in another competitor, but when MGM did that deal with IAC, the first thing I thought of was, well, you know they have expertise in online businesses. Maybe well, they can help them fix their UI UX, so on. Well, so, and,
1: and I'll and I'll go a step further. I remember when Fox invested in you know what was Fanduel, Flutter, whatever. It's not like Fox Bet in New Jersey matters, right? I mean, where does Fox Bet rank in New Jersey?
0: I don't know off the top of my head, but it's not in the top three. Okay, can I can, uh, I, can I go back to the analogy? I, yeah, I think an good. iPhone is a tough comparison because it's an ecosystem. There's iMessage. There's there's a number of different things. I think a better comparison is what. Do you ask me if I use Uber or Lyft, and I use Uber. And so, like, there are some people that are loyal to Uber, but there's also the belief that if if the pricing between Uber and Lyft are changing, that it's quite easy to switch between the two because you're not a phone with an ecosystem. You're just another app on an existing phone.
2: But Walt, when, when you look at this ecosystem specifically, right, Mm -hmm. you load up your wallet, you have a platform that learns about you as you're betting, as you're playing fantasy sports, uh, eventually personalizes to your kind of, uh, you know, your desires, uh, you know, to, to see specific content. Ultimately, If you are going to say, okay, I'm going to go get a second app, right? Or even a third app, whatever it is, you're not going to move money around, right? And at the end of the day, if we're offering a better product and more innovative, and we're doing promotions, and you can sit here and argue about our promotions are better than the other guys, right? Like at any given time, everybody's got promotions out in the marketplace. It is the same as a phone right yeah, i think you i think can. you're
0: right moving the bank is probably a sticky feature where with uber and lyft it's just a, a charge to your credit card so maybe that's less sticky so maybe there's some stickiness based on where your bank is yep.
1: but it, what but it, it's good on the, the technology side places, though. Places,
2: so. yeah. yeah but
1: i want to understand on the technology side on what how is actually bad, when you say you you're rebuilding the app and rebuilding the tech stack like what is it what is the from on the on the consumer side what am i going to see That's going to make me even more loyal to DraftKings from what you're doing. Like what's the, what's the goal of the rebuild?
2: So I I think as you see over time, you're going to see uh, more markets, more kind of innovative in-game live betting. And um, these are going to be things that we're going to focus on, right? I think you see in the UK right now, something like 60 to 70% of all betting is live and in-game. And uh, you'll actually probably see those numbers here in this country. Probably the next two or three years, we've had, you know, uh, we've had NBA games where you know north of sixty percent of the, um, of the wagering pre this is pre COVID, um, sixty percent of the wagering is in game, right? So I I think you know you are going to see. Does
1: that surprise you? Like, was that something you expected, or that's totally out of left field for you this
2: early? uh, Well, that's the thing. Is like I, I, like I said earlier, I I try not to predict. uh, You know. Some of the stuff, and you know, when we expect you know there to be significant in game wagering, um, it's not when, it's not if, it's when, right? And so, if we're able to provide very interesting in game markets that are easy to bet and easy to understand, you'll get that activity right out of the gate.
3: Do you? I just want to ask if uh, I brought up the IAC thing, and so I just want to ask a follow up on that. One is, do you think these primarily land-based casinos can succeed in the digital world at number one. And number two, do you, how much of a help do you think IAC can be um, there? So, and then uh, after that, we'll, we'll go to audience questions. So if you have audience sure. questions, type
2: them in. All right, um, so let's start off with land-based casinos. There are a lot of really, really smart people that run land-based casinos, right? they, um, they will be able to kind of have a meaningful impact in this industry should they decide to focus on it. But at the end of the day, every one of these land-based casinos is a real estate play. They're worried about heads and beds, even in COVID people in Las Vegas are worried about heads and beds. And so, you know, we think, There's some great folks that, you know, all around the world, but let's say Las Vegas that run casino and casino groups and they have great digital teams. But when you look at, you know, the resources that typically a land-based casino uses, it's focused on, you know, how many hotel rooms am I going to get filled on any given night? So I I think we'll see. I think you're going to, you know, you'll continue to see a couple of them, um, you know, do better than others. And, you know, we'll, we'll go from there on, your second question on your IEC investment in MGM. Uh, look, I, I you know this is like I, I worked at IAC, uh, uh in a prior life, so I'm going to uh, you know or, or I worked at a joint venture that they owned half of. I probably should say, and um, what I would you know what I would do say. you survive there,
1: Barry Diller? I
2: I, I did. I, I probably have a little bit of scarring, but I do. <laughs> Uh, you know, and it, you probably it, had
1: some Werther's sitting around somewhere too. So I, I'm
2: not. I'm just going to keep moving forward.
1: Um, <laughs>
2: but but uh, you know, all I'm going to say is that you know the guys at I see are really smart. Yeah. Um, the guys at MGM are really smart, right? And and if I <clears throat> read everything correctly, um, their investment was in MGM, not the Roar JV. So you know, but I think the the best the best thing you can do is I would I would ask the guys at at MGM or IC. Probably better to answer that question.
0: So let's hit um, the first one of the, one of the Q and A questions um, from Nigel. Um, You were talking about location before. So given that all these skins are gonna be stuck or verified in a location, does it make sense for the physical casinos just to align themselves um, to whoever's the leader in in that space and just take a percentage of the revenue and then as Brandon would say, to editorialize, it, it seems better to take 5% off the top of a 30% market share um, existing player um, than to try and be the fifth player in the market if you're one of those um, physical casinos. Thoughts so, on that?
2: So, so it depends on the state, right? Like New Jersey, <clears throat> I think everybody's got five skins. So they do it themselves and then they license their skins to other people. So we we have a, a, a licensed skin um, from Resorts Casino in in Atlantic City for New Jersey, they also operate their own sportsbook. So uh, <clears throat> the way most states work is it's not a single skin; it's multiple skins. And I don't I don't remember it off the top of my head. There are a couple states that are single skins, but most places are. But I think
0: that's his point. Like why look, why look. fragment the market rather than just. Take a little stake of an existing player. Is it better to take a, a small stake in, an, in, an, in, a, in a, a, a fewer competitor market for so many of the reasons than just jamming five skins in the market?
2: So it dep- depends on your point of view. Some some people want to take multiple bets on who's going to be the best at this, right? If you pick the if you just do one skin with somebody and you pick the wrong group, it's not going to go well.
1: So I, I keep waiting for the ability to open up my application and be able to watch whatever game I'm watching, you know, while I'm betting. And, you know, it, it sort of feels like I remember back in the day, everyone used to talk about, you know, sort of buying Jennifer Aniston sweater, you know, when, whatever she wore on friends and there was a company called wink that would like blink something on the screen. And it was yep. sort of the idea of sort of T-commerce back in the day was a term we use. And I feel like.
3: You're now, so old Rich.
1: Yeah, I know. Oh, Did we lose that? Ezra, Ezra no? did you fall? <laughs> Ezra, are you okay?
0: I thought I heard his fire alarm going off earlier, so that was bad. Like the low battery beeping.
1: Ezra, are battery. you injured? <laughs> uh, I think he's frozen. Hold on. You there? Can you guys hear me? Now we You're can. Back. Perfect. You're back. All right. Good. Sorry. It's okay. Sorry. It's okay. Keep, keep um, going. T-commerce. <laughs> So uh, basically T-commerce was this idea forever and I'm dating myself and I am old, so that's fine. But you know, now the this topic of like, everyone starts talking about, okay, imagine if you could be watching the game on Fox or, um, you know, and we talk about all the rights and rules that are in it, but with the question actually, and so you can certainly talk to that, but the question is how do you see low latency or no latency video feeds being able to be incorporated into sports book apps to make real time betting a better user experience, given the rights being held, Usually, exclusively by others broadcasters. I'll add in RSNs. How do you overcome all of those limitations? Like, is this is this the same thing where it's going to be fifteen to twenty years like Jennifer Aniston sweater, which is finally like possible today, or does this get solved a lot sooner? Um, and what makes that happen?
2: So um, there's a couple things going on. First off, uh, in Europe, they've bifurcated most rights. So you've got somebody who can stream, who's a broadcaster. And then somebody who can stream with inside a gambling app, right? So the rights have been bifurcated. And to be
1: clear, inside of a mobile gaming app, just to be
2: specifically
1: clear, they can't do it on a TV or on a computer, but only on a mobile phone.
2: Correct. Um, I don't think that's coming for U.S. leagues. Now, if you look in our app, we occasionally have like Bundesliga and some other things, but U.S.-based leagues – there is, at least today, no intention of bifurcating those rights.
1: And why is that? Like, what it seems so obvious to me.
2: The numbers are big, right? And so... Yeah, but does
1: anybody... I mean, I've had this conversation. Like, nobody's sitting around going, oh, my God, I'm going to watch on the Verizon mobile app instead of watching in my living room on my 50-inch TV on Comcast.
2: So so the way I like talking about this um, with folks is... In the U.S., it's very obviously very different than the rest of the world. There are TVs everywhere. You go into a bar or restaurant, even if it's a, like a very high-end restaurant, there are TVs everywhere. So here, the sports fan goes to the largest, most reliable screen, right? So if you have cable or satellite in your home, that tends to be a big TV hooked up to cable or satellite the only time you'll really use like an ipad or a phone is if you don't have a tv within, you know, shot because you're somewhere that doesn't have tvs like on the sideline of your kids lacrosse game, right? so biggest most reliable screen is what you're going to migrate to. so when you have folks that have paid a large sums of money for rights for that for those broadcast rights, they have zero interest in letting the leagues and the IP owners bifurcate those rights because there's a fear and I'm sure Europe went through this probably 15, 20 years ago. There's a fear that it's going to impact ratings because somebody's going to sit on their phone. It's just in this country, it doesn't make a ton of sense that I'm going to turn away. And I think I have like a 72 inch screen in my family room. Um, I don't think I'm ever going to sit with my, uh, my iPhone in the living room uh, and watch a game there when I have this 72-inch TV. So I, I don't see…
1: But, there's, but, but even before we get there, to be fair, there's still a latency issue. Like when I watch on YouTube TV, it is several seconds behind watching on Comcast.
2: So, so that's, a, that's a separate issue that uh, I yep. guess we'll let's talk, now, talk about now. So there are a bunch of companies out there trying to solve late, uh, latency on video, right? But the but the challenge here is the um, those tech solutions would have to be implemented by the IP owners, right? Because none of us actually have any rights to this vi- these vi- this, this video uh, these video streams, right? So if you have you know super fast video, there's only a couple sports that, you know, having a two-second or one-second delay is going to be super important to the sport, right, to gambling.
1: whereas I mean, Hockey with, and basketball.
2: Hockey, basketball, soccer. I
0: don't know, dude. Like, there's live betting for NFL, and those lines move pretty quickly. I love watching the game and see that line move back and forth. And if you can't hit that quickly before something happens, like somebody catches a pass, as he's catching the pass, the line's moving. That's is upsetting. definitely
3: not a sports better.
2: Not
1: that, uh-huh. I, not that I participate in that. So, so okay. I um, – Because it's not legal in New York, so you've never bet. So let's just be clear. Absolutely not. That's correct. But, but, from what
0: I've seen in simulations. Amazing.
2: <laughs> uh, yeah, so what I, what, I would, what I would say is that I think over time you'll see it evolve, but it, it's really tied up with the way the, the rights are tied up at the leagues. Do I think you know having millisecond delayed video is really important? Yeah, sure. There's going to be certain. What about, types what about
0: the broadcast itself? Does it need to be tailored for sports betting? Forget about the technology, just the just the broadcast itself.
2: So I, I, I you know, I, I have a personal opinion about this. I think if you saw what we did during the match with Turner, like we didn't force the issue, right? We actually provided them uh, a bunch of. A, a bunch of odds on every hole in real time and they update it in real time. Yeah. And as part of the storytelling, they actually use the odds as part of the storytelling, you know, uh, you know, Peyton Manning is likely to, you know, hit the ball, you know, uh, or, or they're likely to win the hole at, you know, plus 80, uh, 80%, which is going to be minus minus one fifty or whatever it is. Right. And at no time was there actually a call to action in the broadcast just had the Draftkings logo and the odds on it. And they use it as part of the storytelling and it's super powerful. So we think that there is an opportunity there for more sports and more broadcasters to take this approach to not be in in people's faces to say, bet now, bet now, bet now, bet now. It's more about how are they t- storytelling? you know, Aaron judge coming to the plate, well, maybe in his case maybe not coming to the plate for a couple of weeks but but you know aaron judge coming to the plate with men in scoring position he's batting you know 410 yeah and he is likely to get a hit at you know minus 105 right he's likely to get a home run at plus 400.
0: right so if i'm looking at how that line's changing on my phone that's awesome if that was on the screen that would really pull me into the app so when does that happen
2: well, I think it started to happen, right? You started to see it, you know, with the match. I think you'll see more and more sports. We did it with the PLL on their tournament that just finished up last weekend, uh, you know, through NBC Gold and NBC Sports Network. And so you're starting to see more and more of this. And and look, it's just, it's just about people getting comfortable with it.
3: We have a couple of questions on social media, I, I guess from both the uh, UI, or user experience um, and also from from a customer acquisition. And so uh, I'll read them. Um, uh, On the UI, how social is the DraftKings platform? How social can you make the platform? And can you use social to drive acquisition and retention? And then similarly, Someone, someone else asked, um, given social media platforms are thought of as a second screen experience, how do you approach social in your media mix as an extension to your broadcast integrations of marketing? So it's sort of the latter half of the prior question.
2: All right. So let's start with the first piece of it. Um, uh, of course, we use social media you know, for everything from acquisition to just content and information. And it's a, it's a great channel. It is, you know, uh, it is something that, you know, we work very collaboratively with the kind of the big networks out there, social networks out there. And, you know, we're always looking for new and innovative ways to, um, engage customers, right. And get them, you know, aware that something's going on and, you know, Hey, this is a great opportunity for you to kind of log into your DraftKings app. Um, and, uh, you know, go for there. I think, you know, when it comes to DFS, you know, we have looked and are working on, you know, things that would actually make the experience more social where, you know, I, uh, as an example, I play in a, uh, in a DK league, right? So a daily fantasy sports league with a bunch of buddies, right? And I don't, uh, you know, I don't necessarily, you know, want play against the, the public. I'm not, you know, I'm not really allowed to, so I don't. So what I'm uh, able to do is I can play with a couple of buddies. I started a private league, and it's great and it's very social. And so that that that's great. When it comes to betting, I think, um, you know, we're still in the early stages of this, and I, I think that you know we need to continue to kind of take uh, that kind of those initial steps at kind of bringing people along and you'll see more and more of it coming up this year. Is that
3: is, is making your app more social a key to sort of expanding to, I would say not less hardcore, but more casual betters.
2: No, I I think it's just one tactic, right? I think it, it, it is one of those things where, there are going to be people that are heavily uh, invested in social media and want to be able to use social media to connect with their friends about what they're doing. Uh, I still think, you know, from a, a regulatory standpoint and, a, you know, um, just a, an execution standpoint, it's still got to be within the app and, you know, you got to use social to get people in your app.
1: So the, the question here is sort of a follow up on what we were talking b- before about sort of, I guess, the underlying issue of loyalty. And so this person asks, uh, and he's anonymous. Um, uh, is this one of what, your
0: Twitter trolls, Rich? An anonymous I, Twitter troll?
1: I, you know. You, you know, t- Twitter takes a really strong skin because like, it's amazing how much hatred there is out there just in general. I mean, I guess we see it with the election and all of that, but man, Twitter can be brutal. Uh, but here's the
0: question. So this, this question coming from Orlando, Florida. Go ahead. <laughs> uh,
1: loyalty and the disproportionate market share winners in the US. Can we analogize that to the differences versus Europe and the U- or U- the UK and Europe? where the average better has multiple apps. So I guess the, the question sort of is like, in Europe, people use multiple applications or multiple services. You're basically saying here, people are gonna be loyal. Is there, how do we explain the differences of what's gonna play out here versus what's played out in Europe? Are there key reasons why it would play out differently?
2: So, uh, I, I, yes, yeah. so so first off, um, you, uh, you have a market in Europe that's <laughs> 40, 50 years old, right? And here we're two years into it kind of on a New Jersey basis, you know, forgetting Las Vegas for a minute. uh, uh, So we're at the early stages of it, right? That's one. Two, um, it is um, in Europe, no one's, and I'm probably going to get shot for saying this, but like no one's really innovated the products, right? They're the same products they've been, for over a decade, maybe two.
1: So, so it's that, that leads people to switch because there's nothing really that keeps you in, technologically speaking, experience-wise.
2: Right. Experience-wise, right? So you end up sitting on something, and uh, you know, maybe maybe you switch, maybe you don't. I, you know, I'm uh, I'm not as um, convinced that there's as much switching in Europe as a lot of people say there there are. there's certainly more than here, right. But we're only kind of, you know, the first two years in, if you look at New Jersey, um, you're going to see, you know, more and more, you know, apps pop up, but you're probably going to still see three or four of us at the top of the market share kind of graph. And um, it it doesn't mean you can't go to some of the people down on the other end of the graph to bet on the Lakers game tonight, but you're going to, Probably stick with the the people that you've been with for a while.
1: We spend a lot of time looking at the startup ecosystem and how all of the startups are impacting the public companies and sort of the industry overall. As you think broadly across the, the, the sports betting ecosystem, what's really interesting? Like not not even name specific companies, but like infrastructure, like what are the parts of the ecosystem in terms of startups that you're really thinking about um, either helping you potentially as acquisitions, but just in general, like what's interesting from a a sports betting startup right now?
2: So, uh, you know, I think you have to go back to kind of some of the themes that we've been talking about, right? I, I, I think things around like live betting are really interesting. I think new and innovative games are really interesting. Um, you know, when it when it when it comes to like infrastructure, there's some things that are end up being important. But you know, a lot of a lot of the companies like ourselves um, like to build their own infrastructure, right? So there's a it's almost like a a, a tough a tough hurdle to get through or over because you know, we have a significant number of engineers on our team. And, you know, certainly we like to go fast. So if there's something we can acquire, we'd love to acquire it. But, you know, if, if it makes sense, we we'll would just as soon build it, right? And, um, you know. Because there's are, an
1: amazing number of startups in this space. Like, it's like, seems like every day someone's showing something that's going on in this space because everyone's trying to basically, you know, fulfill part of the food chain of sports betting right now.
2: Yeah, the, the challenge, though, and, and and as you might imagine, we hear from just about every one of them. The challenge is um, many of them are kind of suffering from two things, right? One, uh, they're super undercapitalized, right? A license in, like, certain states, like uh, a license in Illinois is $10 million, right? And um, so they're undercapitalized, so they can't actually enter states. And then, secondly, they don't have um, – Kind of the expertise on the regulatory requirements on a state by state basis, right? And the, and there is every state is different, and every state has kind of interesting regulations when it when it comes to tech stack and and uh, and uh, getting uh, things licensed. So when we talk to you know certain you know startups, you know uh, a lot of times it's, it's much about educating them as to kind of what's going on out there. Um, there's some really, really brilliant um, engineers and product people out there that, you know, are just, you know, they're just learning on you know kind of what the industry is about and how it has to work. It's hard. It's really hard. It's hard to be a startup in this industry.
3: We're coming up on the end of our hour, actually. We're a minute over. So I just wanted to get in one last of the I, I'm here. I'm here as
2: long as you guys need me oh nice that 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 was that was not
3: a good thing to say (laughs) um can we get the the size of your nba
0: book then (laughs) average size of the nba book right
2: now no no uh no we we don't disclose it sorry i was good that 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 was good to try to slide that in though yeah trying to hit it (laughs) uh
3: (laughs) all right brand what do you got sorry All right. This is another one from an anonymous attendee, which means they're, they're a client, but they're choosing to be anonymous. How do you, how, how do you identify and avoid problem gambling? Firstly, and it's a two-parter. So that's number one, go ahead.
2: So uh, we take responsible gaming very seriously. We have a ton of systems that monitor to make sure that people don't get themselves into trouble. And there's the ability to self-exclude uh, and self-exclude across companies. So, um, you know, we take uh, anything and everything that, uh, related to responsible gaming seriously. And, um, you know, we need to make sure that uh, that's kind of one of our core tenants in everything we do.
3: And then the next question is actually something I was really curious about, which is, are there wells in the online business and how do you find them?
2: Uh, yes, they're whales, uh, and how do you find them? I, I can't give you those uh, those tactics. We, uh, <laughs> we I, you know, we've spent a lot of time and uh, and resources uh, figuring out uh, where they uh, uh, where they tend to it, be. Is it,
3: it? Are you very whales driven though, or is it, because you think about um, things that we talked about earlier, like. Um, uh, using the best odds you would assume the the whales just go to the place where there are the best odds or sort of have their own offline bookie type situations or land base
2: so so um even for the whales it's entertainment right so um there are people that are uh, you know call them vips is probably a better name for them uh and they um you know, they have entertainment, um, they look for entertainment value and they tend not to jump from place to place. Right. It's just like when you're a whale in Las Vegas, you tend to go to the same casino, um, again and again. Right. And, uh, yeah, you get treated, treated well at that casino. So here, what I would say to you is, you know, um, there are, um, uh, certainly VIPs and, you know, we, uh, we try to make sure that uh, they get the entertainment value they're looking for.
3: Here's one. What comes first? Sports betting is legalized in New York or the Mets win a world series. <laughs> that sounds like a final question right there. Oh, uh, my God. Uh,
1: that's a walk-off. It's a walk-off either way. I, uh, I, I do like, uh, I'm not.
2: I'm not going to answer that one. I, uh, I, 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 uh, <laughs> you know, Brandon. I uh, I, I mean, think the Mets is a I,
3: never I, question. So. I, I, yeah, I, mean,
2: I would say New York sports betting. Uh, yeah. I, God, God, I hope so. <laughs> Uh, Yeah, I can't. uh, I'm not going to answer that one. I I have a partnership with the Mets. I'm a diehard Mets fan, and uh, I'm also uh, rooting for New York. So...
1: Cool. Well, Ezra, you've been amazing with your time. I know we've been trying to do this for a while. We really were excited to have you on. This is a topic that I mean, look, we know we're going to be do- doing a lot more work over the next couple of years on sports betting. DraftKings plays a huge role in, in that evolution. And um, just thanks for like educating us on sort of, you know, obviously you just had your earnings last week. But I think we wanted to really go more in depth on a lot of key issues that fascinate us and fascinate um uh, our clients um at light shed so just thanks again for taking an hour with us
2: look thank you very much for having me i, I always love chatting with you guys and um this is uh this is great i think
1: um we made you laugh a little bit so that was good
2: no look that's what that's what's great about these discussions right it's like uh you know i, I as you, and rich you know this i i'm not like kind of a monotone sit around quietly kind of guy and so this was a great spirit discussion and i uh I would love to keep, you know, let's, let's pick it up again, uh, you know, maybe in a quarter or two and let's have another discussion.
1: Sounds and good. Ho- hopefully, hopefully, as you can see behind me with hard knocks, hopefully the NFL is putting in enough procedures. It looked like it from week one of hard knocks on HBO. Uh, but it looked like the NFL is getting pretty serious about, you know, getting this season off the ground. So hopefully we'll have some football in a few weeks.
2: I, uh, I, I like our chances. I, uh, I think that, um, you know as you might imagine if i root for the uh the islanders and uh mets i'm uh, i'm also uh, a long-suffering jet fan so i uh, somehow
3: i got giants i, I don't know i how. i, I, uh, uh, it, it, it I i'm the out. only
2: i'm the only one in this house that wears the green everybody else has got giant stuff I, and and look we have a great relationship we have a deal with the giants and you know we are we are you know, we, we love those guys, and uh, you know, it's one of these things where, um, uh, you know, I'm just looking forward to every Sunday having some football. I'm looking forward Walt, to three Walt's, wins. Walt, breaking out the Eagles!
3: Wow, <laughs> that boy oh, That's
0: that's that's your that's your man. That's Rich your Cotite, jet. Our shared distress. <laughs> our <laughs> our, our, shared, our shared coach of horror
2: horror for yeah, a couple he, of years. He uh, he probably um, probably Horrible. was not a great coach. That's probably a nice way of saying.
1: Yes. Ezra, be safe. Enjoy the rest
2: of summer. (laughs) All right, guys. Have a great one. Thanks for having me. Bye-bye.
3: Bye.